You know when someone says, you be you? You be you and I'll be me. I, I, I'm, I find that a complicated thing, right, for me to be me because, because for a start, there's six me's in me. There's narcissistic Dave. There's naughty Dave. I've got to keep in the dungeon. There's nasty Dave. There's uh, the original natural Dave created by Christ. I'm a born-again Christian, so there's a new Dave in me, born again by the Spirit of God. And there's the next Dave. That's the Dave that's emerging. That's the Dave that's being transformed from glory to glory. There's, 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 a, there's a Chris Rock in me and a Will Smith in me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Someone says, you be you. Well, well there's, there's a Post Malone in me. I mean, there's a lot of tattoos on the inside of me, you know? There's, there's, there's the wallet wizard guy. You know the wallet wizard guy? Just the idiot that wants to sell us expensive finance, you know? He's in me. You know, this Joel Osteen is smiling away on, on the inside of me. And so when someone says, well, you be you, I'm, I'm thinking, which me? You know, and then, and then, you know, other people say, well, Dave, how are you feeling? Well, this, this, Five emotional me's. You know, there's, there's, there's the veg out Dave. He's just, I don't know, I hit another planet and I stay there for a while, you know. I don't come back to planet Earth, you know. It's, 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 it's where's Dave gone, you know. It's vegged out me. And, uh, and, and this volatile Dave. You know, there's, there's Dave who's, who's volatile, who's ratty who's at times bad-tempered, who's, who's at times just incredibly angst, who's, who's incredibly pessimistic, who's, who's incredibly resentful. But there's also volatile Dave. That's the Dave that wants you to love me tonight. That's the, that's the Dave who, that's inferiority Dave. It's, it's the Dave who's looking to be adored. But then there's, there's the visionary Dave. There's the, there's the Dave who's, who, who wants to find significance. There's the Dave who wants to win the race. There's a Dave who sees beyond brick walls and sees into possibility. And then there's the victorious Dave. Like deep within me, there's born again Dave. There's Dave who, who's filled with the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead. And so somebody says, how are you feeling? I'm feeling five different emotions. Thank you very much. When, when, when I was 13, 14 and 15 years of age, I think they were the worst years of my life. And I think they were the years when, when rejected Dave was at the forefront. And I'm going to blame it on puberty because I went from a really cute, really... Um, really good looking to, in the space of six months, to like Ed Sheeran on a bad day. No, you know what I'm saying, don't you? I went, I went from cute to, to medium ugly. And just in the space of three months or so. And uh, you know what I'm saying. And, uh, and you know, it's a difficult time for me. I, I, everyone was saying, how can a guy be so ugly and still be alive? I look like the back of a bus. But, and I used to also look at the back of the buses to see if anyone was staring at me. And if they were staring at me, they were thinking, how can a guy uh, be so ugly? I bet when he looks at himself in the mirror, the reflection even walks away, you know? That, that, that there'd be something, and I, I, I actually got so angst about it 
that my hair started falling out and it still hasn't come back, you know. I, I just, it was an incredibly difficult time of my life and it was the time, you know, where your body stretches and your face changes and your skin is awful and it was a terrible time and I told nobody about it. I just went through hell completely on my own until I met a girl called Jackie. Oh my God, my brother started going to a drama group and I thought I'll turn up for the night and guess who's there? Jackie, I'm 17 years of age and Jackie's at the drama group. Oh my God, she was gorgeous. And I fell in love with this girl. And I saw her at the following Friday night at the drama group and, and I, I, I've never acted in my life. I, I was only there, there for Jackie. And I arranged in about 10 days time to meet Jackie in uh, Canberra, in Civic, in the centre of Canberra and, uh, and to meet up with her, you know, like you want to meet up with the person you fall in love with. And I was head over heels, just had the hots for her and, uh, and so we planned it and I was nervous. I was thinking about Jackie day and night, uh, everything, you know, I was eating a hamburger and just everything I was doing, I was just thinking about Jackie. I just couldn't sleep. And it's just Jackie, I'm in love with Jackie. Anyway, I finally, and in that week, uh, our school went at 17 in grade 12, had our grade 12 photographs, right? And for the first time in, in four years, I looked okay. And I'd thrown out every previous photo of me during my ugly stage. And, and finally, I, I felt like the sun was in the right position. And so I went down to the school office and I got 10 copies of the picture. I had to, make, I had to lie. I said, one's for auntie, one's for uncle, one's for granddad, one's for... But it, they're all for me. I was just celebrating the fact that finally I wasn't so ugly. And so I went into town and about 6 p.m. I met Jackie and I said, I've got a present for you. And, uh, and she, she said, what is it? I said, just have a look at it when you get home. And so we had a bit of a chat and, uh, and that was the last time I ever saw Jackie in my entire life. And, and I thought, oh, what? And my heart was absolutely crushed because I was madly, uh, truly, deeply in love with her. And, uh, and, and I had to find out from a friend of a brother of a friend of my brother that, that she thought I was, it's a quote, this is her quote, that I was up myself. And, and, you know, in actual fact, I spent four years down on myself that I was then crushed for approximately six years because I was so madly, truly and deeply in love with her. There is, there is an emotion called infatuation that's done the same in your relationships. And I want to talk about it tonight because there are people here that should be here tonight that aren't here tonight because they were infatuated with you. They thought the world of you. They hung all of their thoughts and all of their dreams on you. They made you the sole source of their emotional support. And they're not here tonight because it can't be sustained. Because you can't be the superhero that they want you to be. And they're not here tonight because they weren't able to contain the emotion of infatuation. And there's people, uh, there's people some of you were infatuated with them and they couldn't hold and contain the, the rock stardom that you placed upon them. It became too intense. You were ordering lots of photos and sending them to them. It was unsustainable and they should be here tonight, but they're not here tonight. Infatuation is the cause of more blowouts in relationship than depression. And you know, the thing about uh, infatuation uh, is, is um, let me get my notes here. The thing about infatuation 
uh, is, wait a second, because I'm tired here tonight, is that a lot of Christians think that they can be delivered from emotion. A lot of Christians somehow figure they can be delivered completely from anxiety. They can be delivered completely from uh, infatuation. They can be delivered completely from uh, the root causes of depression. But may I suggest to you that being a victorious Christian isn't to be delivered from emotion, it's to lead your emotions. And what God wants to do tonight, and you'll find the altar call in a few minutes' time, it's gonna happen. God wants to, to retract the flood and he wants to make it a river. Once your emotions are held by riverbanks, you are more than a conqueror. Sometimes a lot of guys think, oh gosh, I wish that God would take temptation away. God doesn't take temptation away. He just takes it out from being a flood and brings it into being a river. And that's what God wants to do tonight. Are you with me? You know, when, when uh, Paul spoke to Timothy, he knew Timothy was a mess. Timothy was in charge of the church at Ephesus and it was a church like of 60,000 people. But the guy, the guy was a mess. The guy had ulcers in his stomach. He wasn't doing very well. He was a nervy kind of guy. He was a highly strung guy. He was, he was a timid guy. And, and so Paul needed to, to, to talk to him. And what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he said, hang on, Timothy, listen, listen, listen. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but God's given you a spirit of love and power and self-discipline. What he was saying is, is, listen, Timothy, God's not in on the flood. God hasn't produced this flood. What God does is God does rivers. God wants to move you from experiencing a flood of emotion and He wants to move you into leading a river of emotion. God's given you the riverbanks of self-discipline. God's, you don't have to do what you think you have to do. Just because it's emotion, you don't need to be flooded out by the destructive forces of emotion. God can put them back into riverbanks where they belong. There's two problems with infatuation. Number one, no one is born to be the single source of emotional, of one person's emotional fulfillment. I've made this up, but I think it's pretty good. In an ideal word for a Christian, in terms of your emotional fulfillment, 25% ought to come directly from God. Now, at times, it's more than that. But when it's more than that, it's in a very special season of your life. But if it's more than that thematically, you are super spiritual because another 25% ought to come from community. That's what you're enjoying tonight, from your friendships, from your church, uh, from your faith life, that there ought to be a sense of emotional fulfillment. If you're lucky enough to have a partner tonight or to have a wife or a husband tonight, then 25% of your emotional support uh, should come from your partner. And then if you're you're pursuing the will of God and pursuing the purposes of God. The final 25% of your emotional fulfillment should come from the call of God. That makes 100%, but no one's ever at 100%. The best you'll ever be is 90% because every person will always be 10% lonely because we don't belong on planet Earth. That we belong to a city whose architect and builder is God, that you don't belong here on earth forever. You belong in heaven on earth forever. And so you'll always have, even in your highest and greatest times of emotional fulfillment, you'll always have a little ache in your heart because you don't actually belong on planet earth. 
The second thing, a problem with infatuation is, is, is relationally, it makes it too inconsistent. Either you're too distant or you're too close. And both don't work at City Point. They don't work in the Kingdom of God. Either you're not trusting at all or you're too trusting. Either you're, not, either you're, you're too vulnerable or you're too hard to find. Either you're too deep or you're too shallow. Some of you oscillate between the two and God wants to free you from that. So you're not all over someone and then completely distant from someone. God wants to even out your emotions. It's called building riverbanks and creating a river of vitality, a river of infatuation, which you can lead, which you can manage so that you can live a successful life. I've got five stages that I'm gonna talk about, five stages in the cycle of infatuation. Number one, the epic stage. Everyone say epic stage. It's when everything about the other person is sprinkled with fairy dust. The way they walk, cute. The way they smile, cute. The way they're unco, cute. The way they don't understand jokes, cute. The way they think that Paris is a nation, not a city. Cute. The way their mobile screen is always cracked. Cute. That's the epic stage. Number two, the second guessing stage. Just a little bit of doubt creeps in. Maybe possibly you love them more than they love you. And you start to get anxious. And uh, when they don't text you back within the hour you start to get a little bit nervous. And then when you finish your text with XXX and they finish their text with XXC, <laughs> you're in trouble. Because that means they did it quickly because C is next to X and they don't care as much as you care. You took a lot of time with XXX. You thought, shall I be a small X, a lowercase X or a highercase X? Shall I do four Xs or shall I do three Xs, two Xs, one X? And you spent a lot of time on it. Then somehow they've just dashed back with lowercase XXC. <laughs> well, that's gonna make you more insecure about your relationship. You're gonna get desperate for affirmation. Number three is the oversensitive stage and you start to demand, demand that they text you more often. You put a tracker on their phone <laughs> and you wonder what house they're in on Wecker Road. <laughs> you're following them, you're snooping around their Facebook, you're checking out. You know, why are they at event cinema at 11 a.m.? You know, you, you, you now begin to get a little nosy. It moves to stage number four, which is the breakup makeup stage. You get angry a lot now and you walk off or they walk off, then you kiss and make up. Every kiss is a replacement for anger. Jealousy is now out of control and suspicion is at an all-time high. And that leads to the last stage, which I've called the epic fail stage. You love them, but you can't stand them. They're now selfish, horrible, stupid, look like Ed Sheeran on a bad day. They're stupid, they're dumb, and then they go off with your best friend. And then you move into a relationship on the rebound. When Paul spoke to Timothy, he didn't just stop at, God's given you a spirit 
of power and love and a sound mind, not a spirit of fear. Three chapters later, he then gave him four instructions. And he says this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 5. But you, this is what he said, and this applies to every one of you in this room. Number one, keep your head in all circumstances. Number two, endure hardship. Number three, do the work of an evangelist. Number four, discharge all the duties of your ministry. These are four keys to mastering your emotions, to taking the lead over infatuation. Number one, keep your head keep your head. Now, let me say this about keep your head, that, you know, Simon Cowell is judging American Idol or America's Got Talent. He says this expression often, shall I go with my heart or shall I go with my head? And what he's really saying is, is I love you. You've sung really well. The whole nation loves you, but I don't think I'm going to make a lot of money out of you because there's something a little weird about you. And so he's thinking bank balance, which is going with his head, compared to, shall I go with my heart? I love you for the moment. But what he's really saying is, shall I go with my deeper visionary emotions or shall I go with my volatile emotions where I've just fallen in love with you? And I suggest that you dig a well through your emotions you dig well through your volatile emotions. You know, every volatile emotion comes from vulnerable emotions. Every time you're angry, 90% of your anger comes from disappointment. 90% of your infatuation comes from a need to be affirmed and a need to be adored. You want to build a culture here at City Point where you affirm and adore people and you look like you're in love with every person you talk to just so that you can help protect them from the wiles, from the floodwaters of infatuation. You want to dig through volatile emotions into vulnerable emotions. You want to spend some time with God. You want to say, God, tell me how wonderful I am. Tell me how famous I am in heaven. And then God does that. Then He says, it's not deep enough. And then God says, dig through into your visionary emotions. Then God tells you about the call of God upon your life. He tells you about, about pushing through the cross into the resurrection. He tells you that you're born for such a time as this. He tells you that, that you're here to shake the planet. You're here to be a, a Goliath slayer. You're here to be a history maker. And then God says, not quite deep enough. Dig into your victorious emotions. The kingdom of God is peace, joy and righteousness. It's in you right now. There's victory in you right now. Faith believes that everything that God says will surely come to pass. It's in you right now. That's what your head is. It's your deeper emotions. And every time you have a quiet time, you just don't want to say, sorry, God, I've been a little mad. Go down into disappointment. Oh, God, relieve me of my disappointments. I'm so disappointed in so so They never gave me the love that I gave them. Tell me again how much you love. Then dig down and say, God, renew the fact that I was born for such a time as this. And then be reminded in the victory you have already through the cross of Jesus Christ. Get it? No, seriously, do you get it? Kind of get it. But you want to dig a well into your deeper emotions. It's not a matter of being unemotional and trying to be logical. It's a matter of being deeper in your emotions and going deeper in your devotional life with God. Get it? Turn to the person next to you and say, I kind of get it, but I'm waiting for a second point. Number two, you want to endure hardship. Discipline is difficult 
If you're someone that's going for gold in the Olympics, then you're going to have to be disciplined in everything you eat, in everything, in all of your exercise, in your diet, in your routine. If you want to be excellent in anything, it requires discipline. And you want to build, pull the flood back, and you want to build banks to the river. Let me say this relationally, that you want to hold off telling someone that you love them for quite some time. Because infatuation wants you to say, I love you really quickly. I'm going to suggest uh, in this practical relational workshop that you change I love you to love ya. Because love ya is love you, but it's not love you. It's love ya. And love ya is brotherly love. Love you is intimate love. And so some of you just, you're dumb when it comes to relationships because you turn the other person on too much by being too intimate with them instead of moderating, enduring hardship. It's gonna be hard to pull back. Instead of saying, hey, I love you to the moon and back because the moon's a long, long way away. You wanna say, I love you to Gimpy. You know, you do, you want, to, you want to say that, you know. And if you want to extend it, go to Townsville, but don't go to the moon. It's just, it's just, it's just excessive. The other person's going to get the moon. Look how far away the moon is. It's so far away. But they've been a gimpy. So it's not, it's not entirely out of the box. This is, this is you enduring hardship. This is you putting some boundaries of discipline, you know. You want to hold back on the red heart. You want, there's a green heart. It's, 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 it's good for the planet. You want to, you want to use... Use the green heart, use the purple heart, use the yellow heart, but you want to you 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 pull back on the red heart. Some of, you, some of you just need to get wise. I use the monkeys a lot. You know, it's friendly, but it's not intimate. You know, I see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. It's just, it's cute. But it's not saying anything more than that. Some, some, of, you, some of you girls, use, use the Spanish dancer. It's fine. but don't use the one with, with, with love hard eyes. Oh, that's deadly. Because then the other person who's already stoked over you, who's already, already feeling the, the, the flood waters go over the banks and they see love hard eyes and they immediately think, you, you're everything to me. You, you want to endure discipline. You want to pull back the flood. And you want to endure hardship. Number three, you want to do the work of an evangelist. You want to fulfill your call. There's a call of God upon every one of your lives. And it's not to fall in love. Your call of God is to change planet Earth. It's to be a history maker, to be a Goliath slayer, to be a planet shaker. That's the call of God upon your life. You want to come back to the call of God upon your life. You want to know what you want, what you really, really want. This six-year-old was walking home and a frog jumped up onto his shoulder. And uh, the frog said to the six-year-old, if you kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful princess. And this kid wasn't impressed, grabbed the frog, put it back in his back pocket and kept on walking. After about another half mile, the frog squeezed out and said, hey kid, I said, if you kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful princess. And the kid just unimpressed, grabbed the frog, put it back in its back pocket. And then the, the frog's really mad by now. You'd be mad, right? So the frog's really angry, right? 
a volatile emotional frog and climbs out, jumps on the shoulder and says, hey kid, I told you that if you kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful princess. Why won't you kiss me? And, and the boy said, because I don't, I don't want a beautiful princess. What I want is a talking frog. Some of you need to know what you want. Some of you need, want to want to be a frogger, not a partier. Some of you need, get that. Some of you, some of you, what you want is you want ministry. You don't actually want marriage. Some of you are rushing headlong into a relationship without firstly experiencing the, the successfulness of being single. Some of you need to reevaluate what, what is it about you that's been driven by the cultural norms of society and what's driven in you by the power of the Spirit of God. You know, for Timothy, it was to do the work of an evangelist. And for you, it's to set off on the adventure of fulfilling the call of God for your life. That's the way to master the flood. That's the way to pull the flood of emotion back into the riverbanks of emotion. And lastly, you want to fulfill the duties of your ministry. I want the keyboard, the short keyboard player. I want you to come back up and I want you to start playing, to start playing uh, anything you like. Just, I don't know, like let's just, let's repair Ed Sheeran. Let's just do, um, let's do Love That Lasts A Lifetime. Oh, Okay, Paul said to Timothy, number four, you want to fulfill the duties of your ministry. If you're a guy, you've got a duty of care for every girl in this place to treat them like a princess with kindness, honour and respect. Ta-da! You can't treat a woman ordinarily. You do them a disservice. And there is a masculine spirit in this place and it suits well to respect the feminine. It suits you well to respect. The Bible says treat other women like sisters. But you want to mix that up with the fact that they're children of God. So you want to treat them like sisters and like princesses. To treat them in any other way is to disrespect them. And it's to unfulfill the duties of your ministry. Infatuation is so... desiring just to flood, that it wants to move into sexualization pretty quickly. It wants to fill the gap of insecurity with sexualization. And the moment that happens, something dies in the very heart of the relationship. I'll say this about sexy. Feeling sexy might be the outcome of feeling special, but to instigate sexy is to move into destructive territory. I think I said that quite well. I won't say it again, but you know what I mean, don't you? Sometimes you feel sexy. It's not that bad, but to instigate sexy is to put your relationship on an irreversible and destructive force. The only remedy for sexual tension is adventure, purpose, and the call of God. So don't allow yourself to live a second life of sexting and a second life of fantasizing. Don't allow pornography to take over your dreams and to take over 
your behavior. Here's a few ways to pull the flood back into a river. Number one, show someone your texts and your internet history. You see, accountability amongst brothers and sisters is the key to your strength. To open up something that is desperately private is to break the power of what is private. And some of you have private worlds going on, private relationships going on. The moment you show somebody else, you break the power of it. It's not because they make you feel guilty or they condemn you. It's just you've let it see the light of day. It suddenly brings sense into you like the prodigal son suddenly came back to his senses and he walked back to his father's household. Number two, don't live an isolated life. Don't, don't live in each other's pockets. If you find a new relationship, don't just hang out together. Hang out in groups. Hang out in teams. Hang out in working bees. Hang out in the congregation. But don't just live in each other's pockets. It's the death of a relationship where the other person becomes the sole supplier of your emotional fulfillment. Number three, if you flooded the banks, receive His forgiveness. Oh my God, that's going to happen tonight. You're going to receive His forgiveness. He's forgiven you, but you need to receive it. You need to get back to vision, get back to the vision of the house, get back to the vision that God has for you. You're not just an animal walking the planet looking to mate. You're a human being with a God call upon your life to do great things for the Spirit of God. Number three, you want to control your loneliness. Sometimes you can be desperately lonely. A lot of sexual encounters happen on rainy nights because there's a sense of loneliness and a sense of separation. You want to control your loneliness. And number four, you want to say goodbye to your rebound because there's a lot of relationships in the world that are rebound relationships that need to be stopped immediately. And there are people in this room that are going out with people that you know they are not the right person to go out with. And you can do the slow thing or you can go cold turkey. And I suggest, write them a nice letter, but go cold turkey because you're too emotionally entwined in them to do it slowly. And I suggest that you come forward tonight in order to say goodbye to your rebound relationship. And number five, ask God to show you His amazing favour and love. Spirit of Elsa's in the room right now. You want to let it go. You want to let it go. Now, I'm zooming for an altar call, right? When I say go, you want to let it go. You can't hold it back anymore. You're going to let it go, let it go. Turn away and shut the door. What are they going to say? Let the storm rage. The, the cold never bothered me anyway. Just, there's no point in me saying that, but I thought I'd just say it. Just. Great job, mate. How about the rest of the band coming up too? I don't know if you've heard of Ellie Golding. She's a great, she's an incredible British singer, right? A little sexy at times. But she had a song called Army. And I just think it's a brilliant song. It's really talking about a best friend, but we can make it tonight talking about God. And, and this, is, this is what she says in the core of the song. She says, I know that I've messed up, but you never let me give up. 
this, hook in with me. This is, this, is, this is you talking to God. This is her talking to God. I'm not a messed up, but you never let me give up. All the nights, the fights, the blood, the breakups, you're always there to call. I'm a pain. I'm afraid. Yet you understand like no one else. When I'm with you, I'm standing with an army. Out here tonight is the army of heaven, full of power to break emotional strongholds. Some of you tonight, depression is almost the flip side of infatuation. Some of you tonight are bipolar. You go infatuated and then you crash into depressed. And it's an emotional stronghold. I don't mind psychologists and I don't mind uh, you talking to people, but I feel tonight that there's power enough to break the chains that have kept you in bondage. And I can see tonight that flooded regions, the Lismore of your soul is going to dry out right now that the waters are going to go back into the rivers, that God's going to restore sanity back to your soul. But before I ask you forward, there are people who are reconnecting to God tonight, that you, you've been backslidden, you're coming back to God. There's people that have never given your life to God tonight, but you know that if you die tonight, you're not too sure if you're going to heaven, but that's not good enough for God. He wants to give you an assurance that if you were to die tonight, you're going straight to heaven. And I'm gonna pray a prayer. I'm gonna split it up into little bits tonight so that you can pray it with me. Everyone close your eyes. And I want everyone in the room to, for the confidence of those saying it for the first time or saying it again, I want you right now to say this with me. Dear Lord, Lord Jesus, I cannot believe how close you are to me, that you've never rejected me, that you've never pushed me away, that you've loved on me and you've adored me from the day I was born. And I thank you. And in response, I turn to you and I ask you to be my everything to be my God, to be my lover, to be my Saviour and to be my best friend. Forgive me of my sins, all my sins, all my misgivings, all my misadventures, all of my rebellion. Forgive me through the blood of Calvary, through your death on the cross. I receive your forgiveness in Jesus' Name. Keep your eyes closed. What I'm gonna get you to do is draw a line in the sand. There's no sand in this room. So what I'm gonna get you to do is when I count to three, everyone who prayed that prayer, I'm gonna get you to lift up your right hand and leave it up till all the hands are up. But the whole purpose of this right now is symbolic. You wanna wanna divide your history from your future, from your past from your present. You wanna divide it up and putting your hand in the air. It's not just to confess your faith, which is what you just did. It's also to put an action upon your faith and to say from now on, I'm moving into the future with God and moving out from the past without God. And so if you 
were a backslider, but you prayed that prayer sincerely, or you've never prayed it before, but you prayed it sincerely, don't worry about what the person in the suit next to you is doing. Then I'm going to get you when I count to three with every eye closed, except maybe a couple of counsellors. I'm going to get you to lift up your right hand and leave it up till all the hands are up. Let's, let's do it right now. Three, two, one, lift it. Come on, lift it, lift it, lift it, lift it, lift it, lift it higher, 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 higher. On my right hand side, there's one hand, there's two hand, there's three hand, there's four hand. My middle right hand side, there's five hand, there's six hands, there's seven hands, there's eight hands. In the middle section, nine hands, 10 hands, 11 hands. On my far left hand section, there's uh, 12 hands, there's 13 hands. There'll be, there'll be, there'll be, there'll be maybe, there'll be, I'm sure I always miss hands, but there'll be about 15 hands or so in this place. Everybody lift your hands. Everybody stand up right now. Everyone stand up. Lift your hands to God. Father, let the peace of God fall upon each of these people. God, the peace of God that passes all understanding fall upon each of these people. Let them know that they know that they've been forgiven by God. Let them know that they know that their sins have been cancelled by God. As far as the East is from the West, you remove their sins from us and never to return and never to condemn. Father, let the peace of God swallow them up and let them know that Christ Christ from this moment on is their Saviour forever and ever in Jesus' name.